It's time to talk all things Dirty Birds. It's Falcons Flyover. With John Chuckery on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Back in the Kia Studios on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. It is John Chuckery's show. Live with you on this Tuesday evening, 404-741-0929. That's the Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Odyssey app say catch us on the go. Social media at 9 the game at JMCH316 on Twitter. This, of course, and I look at all things Atlanta Falcons. It is the Falcons flyover. So everybody's favorite, we're in, uh, we're, as we're headed to week one here, power rankings, right? Let's start with pro football talk. Week one power rankings. Falcons come in at number 26 on this list. Pretty interesting because they have them ahead of the Giants, Lions, Jaguars, Bears. Interesting. So the Bears are 30th in the power rankings, four spots lower than the Falcons, yet we have all their coaches, players, GMs. Anyway, uh, Jets and Texans. I think that's pretty fair for where the Falcons are as a franchise. I, I think the Falcons will be better than most of those teams that are on that list. So that's where Mike Florio's got him. Pete Prisco, CBS, his power rankings. He's got the Falcons at uh, 32. So his last handful of teams, the Giants at 28, the Jets at 29, the Chicago Bears at 30, the Seahawks at 31, and the Falcons at 32, how the mighty have fallen out there. So that's where some of the national pundits and think uh, of the Atlanta Falcons. Look, again, I'll say, I think the Falcons are going over their win total. Win total's four and a half. I think they're going to be at six. They're going to go over that. And if things really fall their way, who knows? They could be maybe seven, eight wins when all is said and done. You never know in the NFL, right? What do I keep saying? Hope springs eternal in the NFL. All right, we got the depth chart released today. So we mentioned about the fact that Drew Dolman is going to be the starting center, and he took the first team reps yesterday. Um, I'm not surprised at all by that. Um, Dolman's their guy. They drafted him, right? I mean, it is what it is. You know, Hennessy, you know, might get a chance to play if Dolman gets hurt, but Dolman's their guy. He's the guy that drafted a couple of interesting things that stood out to me. Number one, Drake London is listed as wide receiver one, along with Alameda Zacchaeus. So that's good news. Interesting that Brian Edwards is Drake London's backup on this list. Um, the other thing that caught my eye is the running back. Patterson is RB1. Damian Williams is RB2. And Tyler Algier is RB3. And then Avery Williams fourth. But again, nobody cares about Avery Williams as a running back. He's your return guy, right? So Damian Williams right now, RB2, even over the rookie, Tyler Algier, who did some good things. The defensive line, Jarrett, Rush, Taquan Graham. Okay, I get all that. Then your two outside backers, Lorenzo Carter and Ogundeje. Does that mean Ebicady is not starting on Sunday? Is that really what's going to happen is, and I understand they rotate lots of guys on your defensive line. Unlike your offensive line, you want to rotate guys around on that on that line. But still, uh, I mean, I like Ogundeje. I want Ebicady to start and get turned loose, brother. 
I, you know what I need? You know what I Day Day. Ask me what I need out of Arnold Ebicati on Sunday. What do you need out of Ebicati on Full Sunday, Chuck? Full tilt boogie. <laughs> That's what I need. I need a Bobachism. Full tilt boogie. That's what I need on Sunday. Full tilt boogie. Uh, Terrell Grant, Hawkins, and Hayward are your secondary. No shock there. Uh, Youngway Koo, Bradley Pinion, and, of course, Avery Williams on punt and kick return. You think they'll give uh, – Patterson, any love in the kick return game? He's trying to get that. I know he wants to yeah. do that. He made that. He made that clear, yep. like the the, oh, the day they re, uh, reported to camp. And he wants that final. So, he wants yeah. that touchdown to, to break. I the think record. they'll give him a shot at it, but I think it's really going to be game. You know, situations of, of of the games that they're in. Yeah, I. You know, again, maybe in a blowout or something. Yeah, you know, but yeah, I, I agree. Like that's going to be very spotty if and when. He gets his shot out there, but we will see. I mean, he was he was pining hard for for all of that. So, all right, let's get to some audio. Okay, here's the thing I want to say, because this is from Arthur Smith yesterday. I was bringing this up with Dukes and Bell. Okay, I understand every media market in the country has nudniks, dunderheads, ninny hammers, right? I understand every market. But why do why does it feel like we have to lead the league in this? And look, there are guys that I like in this market media-wise that I know I have them on this platform, another platform, right? I talk to these guys. You know, it was nice out of my favorite part about training camp is finally getting to meet in person some of these people, right? But I understand why Arthur Smith is is agitated. Now, there are some guys I'm not the biggest fans of, okay? And it is what it is. Here's Arthur Smith. As he was asked about how many games do we need from Desmond Ritter to be able to evaluate him. Now, I've talked about this on the show. and I, And we had a promo that ran about this. You won't learn everything about Desmond Ritter this year. And I'll say it again. If things go awful for the Falcons and they are in the top one, two, three of the draft next year, and you can get your hands on one of those quarterbacks, you have to draft one of those quarterbacks. I'm sorry, but you can't pass up on the talent at that position to be steadfast in your idea of evaluation. You can't let talent pass you by when you have the chance to get it. You know what happens when you let talent pass you by? You are the Atlanta Falcons. That's what happens. And so you can't let those guys go by. And you won't be able to evaluate Desmond Ritter in one year. But again, somebody in Atlanta media asked the question. Here's Arthur Smith talking about it. How many games do you think Desmond needs to play for you to get an accurate assessment? I'm not answering hypothetical uh, fantasy football and um, that kind of BS, Jeff. It's, it's not hypothetical. I mean, you, you need to. I mean, it is hypothetical. You, you tell, tell me, compare, give me this art, comparative data. What, what comparison do you have? Is there a certain quarterback or a certain plan strategy that you're comparing this to that somebody's done? No, I'm asking you the question since you want to know where you're at quarterback-wise before next year, and I understand the focus is on this year. 
but before you make a decision on next year, your quarterback situation, you're going to want to know what you have in Desmond Ritter. So you're going to want to have We want to know what we have in Marcus Mariota. So if you want to make this about 23, I mean, Jeff, you can ask every which way. We're focused on week one. We're not going to come here about some hypothetical. That's not where our focus is right now. Our focus is on the New Orleans Saints. So if you want to, you know, hang out with the bots uh, on, on Twitter and social media and get all these hypothetical GM scenarios or great team building, uh, some of these other asinine, you know, narratives, go ahead. But we're focused on the, on the New Orleans Saints. I'm not going to answer questions about hypotheticals. Day Day, can you do me a favor and get a hold of all the media people in Atlanta? Uh-huh. And we're going to organize them and have a seminar. <laughs> and I'm going to teach them. How to, I'm going to teach them some things. How to, how to hold a presser? this is ridiculous. Yeah. This whole line of questioning. Well, how many games? It is a hypothetical. Yeah, there's no magic formula to how many games of Desmond Ritter I need to see. Because, again, here's what I'm going to tell you. Let me answer it for you. You will not see enough games this year to make a final evaluation. Doesn't mean you're going to move on from him. It's just you're not going to have the whole book written on Desmond Ritter this year, no matter what happens. And he's not the starter. And this is why they brought in Mariota. And this is why they gave him a two-year contract. This is the guy that played for Arthur Smith. He knows Arthur Smith. He was in his system. That's why he wanted to come here. Well, it's not a hypothetical. Yes, it is, Jeff. It is a damn hypothetical. If if we had the answer to that, wouldn't we know that across the league for every quarterback? Oh, yeah. If I see him for seven games, I'll know exactly what he's going to be for his career. I can tell if he's going to be in the Hall of Fame or not. I understand. Again, I'm worried about, of all the things to ask our head coach about this game this week. All the things you could ask him about this game, this week, opening day, division rival, Hey, you haven't played well at home. You can't stop Cam Jordan. What do you think about our off? I mean, <coughs> all the things to ask him. And we're getting into this same discussion about nothingness. When a reporter asks a question like that, I learn nothing. It's ridiculous. All right, here's Arthur Smith talking about Players can be needed at a moment's notice and got to be ready. We got to get all our guys ready to go. Simple as that. Things can change just like that. Or you could be going all game and you're getting a critical fourth down. The guy has to come out. The guy better be ready to go in there and try to win you the game, whether it's at center, left tackle, right guard, defensive tackle, second nickel. Avery's got to be ready to go play corner. If we, you know, it's, it's what you have to have contingency plans. This was another question that was asked of him by one of the reporters that was also crazy about, they were asking about, well, how many reps do you give Desmond Ritter versus Marcus Mariota and this, any other? And how, how, how much are you going to get him ready? And Arthur was like, again, you don't worry about giving reps to your back. This is the NFL. You don't focus on 
your backup quarterback and his reps and getting them ready and all that. If he plays, it's because your guy got hurt. Or he's so bad that you have to pull him. Which means he probably won't start next week. And guess what? Your backup will get all the reps. Jesus, how hard is this? This is the NFL. This isn't preparing to play Furman or Samford and Son. God, these guys with these questions. Here's Arthur talking about D. Alford and how they found him. Yeah, I mean, I think we, you know, our pro staff, these guys, like I said, they're trying to turn over every stone. It's not just coach speak or some cliche or some bumper sticker for you there. But, uh, you know, you, you look for help anywhere you can get it, especially as a lot of it is out of necessity. You don't have money to spend. You find different ways. Find different. You got an obstacle. Find different solutions. And that's what we're about here. And so, obviously, somebody in the pro department had scouted him in the CFL. They liked him. Um, knew about him coming out out of Tusculum. So we brought him in for a workout, like what we saw. Uh, he was here almost every day in the offseason. Got got stronger. I think uh, Thomas Stallworth did a heck of a job. And D's credit. I mean, he came in here and worked. Um, and had a real good camp and earned a job. Yeah, look, I like what D. Alford did. I, I think he did a lot of good things. Maximized his minutes. Did what you asked them to do when he had a chance to play, right? Now he's going to get a look on Sunday. All right, here's Arthur Smith, non-committal on Drake London. Uh, progressive. He's going. Right, yeah, he's progressive. Check on him. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do you anticipate having him available? Yeah. We'll see what it looks like. That makes you feel real good, doesn't it? Makes you feel real enthused about our first-round pick, about whether or not he can play. I understand there's some gamesmanship, okay? I get that. But if he was 100% healthy, ready to go, and rock and roll and full tilt boogie and all that, I don't think Arthur would have a problem saying, yep, all good to go. We're ready to get him in. Here's Arthur talking about Isaiah Oliver, Deion Jones, I, whatever. Well, it's part of the plan when you put somebody on pop to be able to you have the ability to take them off, and then you also have the ability to put people on IR if they're not healthy. So it was a good assessment to see where people were at and their return to play, and that's pretty much what we did. Same with Isaiah. Whether he started on PUP or we thought that he was – it expedited his um, return by practicing, and then we had to make a decision as an organization and, and talking with the player and medically, and they're not quite at 100% yet. Did anybody ask Arthur Smith when he knew Deion Jones was hurt again? Did they did they know it after the game? Because I never heard one word about Deion Jones not being healthy. They brought him off the pup list, played him against Jacksonville. He practiced. He played. He played a whole bunch. And then magically, a few days later, less than a week later, he's on IR for the first four games of the season. Nobody thought to ask that question, even though I've sat here and preached about it for the last five months now. <sighs> More to come. Chuck Green Key Studios. Sports Radio the Game. Odyssey.com now.
Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Back at John Chuck. We show live in the Key Studios Tuesday night with you. 404-741-0929. Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Honestly, apps I catch on the go. Social media at 929 The Game at JMCH316 on Twitter. By the way, too, uh, it is Tuesday night. So that means we got Rankum coming up at 1040. So we will ask you for your list to be involved uh, with all of that. So you can hit us up on the text line. You can tweet me at JMCH316. And uh, get us your list, and uh, we will get to those a little bit later on at 1040 this evening. Um, how about the Pittsburgh Pirates? They are up 4 to nothing right now on the New York Mets. You talk about getting their business done. They are taking care of the god-awful Pirates are taking care of the New York Mets. Uh, Taiwan Walker has given up six hits and four runs in five innings. Only 80 pitches and just one home run. To Castro, but four runs, nothing yet uh, for the Mets as far as uh, what they've scored. Keller, the starter for Pittsburgh, six innings, five hits, shutout baseball with a couple of walks and a couple of strikeouts, but he's at 100 pitches, so I'm guessing he doesn't have much left um, uh, you know, to give because, you know, that magical 100-pitch uh, count. When when did the 100-pitch I, – I, I heard this the other day on something talking about when did the 100-pitch count become the – become the end-all, be-all about baseball pitching. Can you? There are some of those guys still alive. Could you imagine telling Steve Carlton or Fergie Jenkins or Vita Blue or Burt Blylevin, hey, yeah, 100 pitches, and you, you've pitched 100 uh, pitches in five innings. you got to give me the ball. Yeah, we got to pull you. Well, remember I, a few weeks ago I asked, like, you know, when did, like, the, the pitching, just pitching period, it just seems like it doesn't yeah. – Carry the weight that it, it used to carry back in it, the day. It really in the '90s definitely changed. Yes. Yeah. Look, go look at the 198. Look, Fernando. We talked about Fernando Mania, right? In '81, mm-hmm. I yeah. said, I said, I haven't seen, I haven't seen pitchers blow away guys as a rookie right. since Doc Gooden and Fernando, yep. right? Fernando had like 18 complete games that year. 18. We're bragging about Alcantara having four, <laughs> right? And and doing something nobody in baseball can do. Yeah. Four. Yeah. I mean, there literally was a time where you went to baseball games for the pitchers, yeah. not for the – I, I mean, mean, you wanted to see good hits, don't get me wrong, but great pitching was one of the things that drove you to the foot to the field. In 1977, I could watch Phil Necro against Tom Seaver, and those guys would battle for nine innings. Or, mm-hmm. I'll tell you, in, in 1980, okay, 1980, it would be Steve Carlton for the Phillies – against Tom Seaver for the Reds, mm-hmm. and those guys would just go at it for nine innings. Yep. Just here's the ball. Call me when you're done. <laughs> right. Let me know when it's over with. It's a whole different world out there. All right, speaking of Braves and baseball, 940 on the first pitch for the Atlanta Braves. Grant McCulley joined Dukes and Bell earlier today, and they started off by asking him what he thought about that Marlins series. I mean, it's exactly what you needed to do, right? Just beat up on teams that you should be not just winning series from, but be sweeping series from. I thought there was some timely hitting. I thought the starting pitching did its job. And, you know, we'll kind of navigate this late-inning discussion with Kenley Jansen, I'm sure, over the next few weeks as he looks to, you know, get himself right and make his mechanical adjustments. But I think there was a lot to be encouraged about. And, you know, if anything, an uneventful weekend that just included some nice, tidy wins is something that you like to find a bunch of about this time of year. 
I know that uh, we've had our conversations, as have Braves fans, about uh, Marcelo Zuna. He hits a home run. I believe he's in the lineup tonight out there against Oakland, right? Yeah, he is. And I think as long as Ronald Acuna Jr. is getting those DH at-bats and, and um, Eddie Rosario is dealing with his hamstring, plus you've got left-handers on the mound in both games scheduled for Oakland, I think that's something that has all led to Marcel being in the lineup. And I know that people have a lot of different opinions about that, and justifiably so for a lot of different reasons. But if he is going to be on the active roster, it's kind of unfair to ask Brian Snitker to basically play a man down until this whole legal process plays out. So he said, if there's a place where we feel like Marcel can make a contribution on the field, then we're going to give him the opportunity to do that as it makes sense. And if he's hitting and he does hit pretty well against lefties, then perhaps that's a place that you know he can make his contribution while he is on this roster if and until they make a decision otherwise. Everybody is uh, watching the uh, standings, and we are now a game behind the Mets. Yep. Um, you know, how much does that play? I, I Listen, I think the Mets are going to blow this. I think they're going to in some <laughs> way find a way to blow it, and we're going to catch them and hopefully pass them, and then they're going to try to catch us, and we'll see where it goes at, by the end of the month. Mm-hmm. But how much of that is playing out in this clubhouse? Are guys paying attention to it, or is it just a grind and you're trying to get dubs every day? Well, there is that part of it, and, and that can't really be you know discounted whatsoever. And then I might get into like this weird level of semantics, which is the Mets have played pretty well, by and large, all season long. I mean, they're on pace for, what, 98 or 100 wins. The problem is so are the Braves, and they have gotten pretty much any amount of breathing room that they've built up over time seems to evaporate. You know, I think the Mets have you know played well over 500 ball over the last 30 games. The problem is that the Braves have been about seven, eight games ahead of their pace, and all of a sudden their nice big lead has trimmed all the way back down to one again. So I've, I've said this all along, and I do believe this. It's not going to be as much about the Mets blowing it as the Braves needing to and being able to chase them down, and I do think the Braves can do that. And I do think the Braves are going to do that, but there's a lot of different things, including the Mets' very soft schedule over the final four weeks of the season that is going to work in their favor. Max Scherzer being a little bit dinged up right now, that's not good. Carlos Carrasco's been hurt. You know, you're basically dealing with a couple of different starting pitchers not being able to live up to the standards that the Mets need them to. That could play into this as much or more than anything because, you know, we saw over the weekend, the Washington Nationals took two out of three from the Mets. Things can go wrong, despite how soft the schedule is. Right, NBA scored fourteen to two in those two games yeah. too, and Carrasco looks terrible. They're talking about how he didn't have a rehab start. So, speaking of rehab starts, uh, the latest update on Soroka. I think Mike Soroka is going to be back out on the mound for Gwinnett and just continue to get those starts every fifth day. He had, a, a, I think, what was lining up to be his best start with Triple A Gwinnett a few days ago, but the rain came in in the fourth inning and suspended that game. So he only got four innings, 58 pitches, but one hit, no walks, five strikeouts. You'll certainly take that, and that was supposed to be a 90-pitch outing for him. So I think at least a couple of more starts would probably make the most sense for Mike Soroka before you make a decision to bring him back up and maybe put him in the mix, but with Jake Odorizzi dealing with what the team has described as some arm fatigue, much like Kyle Wright was dealing with, then you know perhaps this door is going to open, and Mike Soroka is going to be able to walk through it, and as I said, way back when his rehab was getting started, or as we were trying to update his status all season long, it would be great to see this guy throwing some meaningful innings for this club in September, and we might just see it. It's Grant McCauley, guys, joining us, talking about the Braves. They start a West Coast road trip. Um, I'm not necessarily worried about Oakland, but Seattle is improved. That may be the series that uh, concerns me a little Mm -hmm. bit. Let's talk about Seattle and the moves they made and, and why they may be a challenge here after Oakland. 
Yeah, Seattle should definitely be a club that you're keeping your eyes on because while the Houston Astros have you know, put together, thanks to the Yankees kind of falling apart, the best record in the American League belonging to that first-place club, Seattle has very quietly been able to play some really great baseball over the last two to three months. We know Julio Rodriguez is a superstar in the making, but you know Seattle's just playing very well-rounded. They went out, they got Jesse Winker and Eugenio Suarez from the Reds. Both of those guys kind of started slowly, but have been playing better lately, and they just have been able to go out and do the things that they've needed to from a starting pitching standpoint, a bullpen standpoint, and offensively speaking, to become a really well-rounded team. And surprisingly, they're doing it. I mean, Rodriguez is a big story, but Jared Kelnick is not a factor. Kyle Lewis is not a factor. They've overcome a lot of injuries and a very unproductive outfield by and large uh, to become a team that is looking to break a two-decades postseason drought. So if you don't think they've got a lot to play for in this series, you might want to recalibrate because they've been a pretty good team uh, in the American League over the last couple of months, and the Braves might find out why as they roll into Seattle for the first time in, a, in a, quite a while. Hmm. You know, we haven't really talked about this as far as the postseason awards. We're more worried about winning the division as we talked to Grant McCall here. GMAC, Michael Harris going to be the rookie of the year in the NL? Man, if he's not, then I think we know his teammate Spencer Strider has done something even more special than he's already done. And what he's doing is piling up strikeouts at a rate that we haven't seen by a rookie pitcher since I believe Kerry Wood comes to mind as one of those, maybe Doc Gooden. That's the kind of performance we're talking about here. So the everyday guy usually seems to have the inside track. And Michael Harris being rookie of the month yet again in August, the second time that he has been in his rookie season. And the Braves have had him for the last three months as far as that award winner goes because Spencer Strider's also been a rookie of the month. This is going to be a fun race down the stretch. I know we're looking at the National League East, but as far as awards are concerned, it's between those two, and I can't think of anybody that's going to challenge them for Rookie of the Year. Yeah, it's 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 great. I mean, to be in this position, to have these young guys playing as well as they have, and then, you know, hopefully they get the recognition they deserve. But at the end of the day, right, it's about the ring. It's still about right. getting back to a World yep. Series. I think any of these guys will give up any accolades that they might achieve over the course of the season to say, hey, we're getting back and with a chance to get to the World Series. I want to talk about Max Fried real quick. Five hitless innings, mm-hmm. 2.48 ERA in this series against the Marlins. You know, we go through the season and we kind of think, okay, well, it's an up-down, up-down kind of thing. But Freed's ERA has been as consistent under three for the most part. I- I'm not going to say it was his best outing. What did you make of his last outing against the Marlins? I thought it was more promising just because he was getting some results that I think he was having to grind really hard for the last few starts. I mean, he he seemed like uh, the start before that, I believe against the Rockies, he was just having to throw a lot of curveballs. And he pretty much turned himself into a two-pitch pitcher in order to get into and beyond the fifth inning in that start. But this last time out, I know the weather was on his mind, so he might have been trying to speed things up a little bit and and work in advance of the the rain falling and obviously the two-hour rain delay that ended his day after those five hitless innings. But I felt like that was a good one for him in that the results looked like they came a little bit easier than they have lately. But as far as his overall resume, I think we're talking about a guy that is going to finish in the top five in National League Cy Young voting, maybe in the top three. He's had that kind of year, and he's been the stabilizing top-of-the-rotation pitcher the Braves have needed. Uh, as he's you know put together a really fine season and hopes to finish with quite a flourish here in September, pitching some pretty important games and get himself on back to October where he has shined on the brightest stage for the Braves. It is Grant McCauley with his guys on the waitfor.com hotline. Again, it's all West Coast, so you're going to be staying up all night watching this, huh? Oh, that's the way it goes. You know, we don't have too many of these trips, but it's, you know, you just kind of have to, 
uh, take the the timing of it and just yeah, obviously winning makes it a lot more fun to stay up. So hopefully this Oakland thing goes according to plan. I think the Seattle one, there's a lot of intrigue there. I'm really looking forward to that series. And then San Francisco, I know they've been bad since the All-Star break, but they are a team that, you know, they, it, things have gone wrong for the Braves out there at, at by the Bay a time or two. And Jock Peterson has really heated up. So there's some fun, there's some storylines, and I think that makes it worth staying up for. And as you mentioned, they do have the easier schedule. We do get the Nats later, and we do get the Marlins. But, yeah, there's some tough teams. The Phillies mm-hmm. aren't going anywhere. Either. The Phillies are still battling for the wild card. Yeah, they're battling for it, but, I mean, they have cooled off a bit. Bryce Harper hasn't been able to give them the lift that you might have thought that they would. Kyle Schwarber has really cooled off in the last three weeks. I know he's still leading the National League in home runs, but over the last 21 games, I believe he has two home runs and five runs knocked in, so that's certainly not doing it. Nick Castellanos has had a terrible season. He landed on the injured list, and Zach Wheeler's hurt right now. So the Phillies, I mean, they're up against it right now as far as the wild card is concerned. They're still in position to get to the postseason, but they're having to kind of deal with some of their own storms right now. I want to ask you about uh, Iglesias. Since coming over in the trade, how would you assess his performance and what he's meant to the team so far? He's everything that you needed him to be. Another late-inning option, a high-leverage arm, and a guy that you know if you need to, you can turn to him to get the the all-too-important final three outs of the game. We'll see how they'd use him, how they deploy him as Kenley tries to work through what he called those mechanical adjustments and saying his delivery has just been off. That's what – you know, Kinley said after this most recent outing, which was bizarre in that you had a 15-minute injury delay for an umpire. But Iglesias is the exact kind of, uh, you know, insurance policy, if you want to call it that, if he had any trouble in the ninth inning. So maybe he'll get a few of those save opportunities out west as the Braves try to get Kinley sorted out and get that whole bullpen humming right along and, you know, ready and tuned up for the biggest games that lay ahead. Uh, I want to ask you how important it is for baseball with some of the milestones that we see guys are chasing, like Aaron Judge, how important do you think it is for baseball? It gives us some additional stories to follow, but is it a, as big of a deal? Mike and I were talking about the home run chase in 98, and, you know, of course, he's chasing Roger Maris, 61, in the American League. I think it's a big deal. Do you think the, 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 mm-hmm. the, the public at America, the baseball fans, think it is? I think that there's a segment of the fans that really appreciates the historical accomplishment that this is. And, you know, so much ink has been spilled and so many words have been spilled about the steroid era and the records that were broken during that time. This is kind of a nice, refreshing reminder that there are guys out there that are not under that cloud and are not part of that particular era of baseball that are going after records that I think are still meaningful. The American League home run record, and and particularly the Yankees team single season record, you're talking about Roger Maris, who held the record for longer than Babe Ruth, who held it before him, and Aaron Judge is putting his his name by the likes of Mickey Mantle and Maris and Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig, for that matter, as far as, you know, home run accolades for that club, I think it means an awful lot, as does the 700 home run club that Albert Pujols might find his way into. There's some exciting things. Miguel Cabrera's 3,000th hit. I don't know if I'm forgetting Max Scherzer. I know he's going for 200 wins. That's not as exciting as 300 is, but it may be the new 300 because nobody throws complete games that much anymore. You're right, man. I really juice the same thing, man. With uh, I want to see what happens with Pujols. Love to see him get to 700. All right, Grant, stay up, get some coffee, man, and we'll, we'll debrief tomorrow. Will do. Thanks, guys. John Chuck, we on Sports Radio, down to the game and the Odyssey.com app.
Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game. Back at the John Chuckery Show. Hanging out in the Key Studios on this Tuesday night with you. 404-741-0929. That's our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Honestly, App Site Catch on the go. Social media at 910 The Game. At JMCH316. He's at, uh, what's your Twitter handle, Day Day? At The D. Lewis, the number four, real. So... Are you here for about another 15 minutes, and then we switch producers? Because I've seen you. We had Dylan in earlier, who was here, but he's not no, here. I'm, I'm, I'm so here for the hall tonight. are you leaving at 9, and then Marshall Parker comes in at 9, or Mickens, or who's coming in at 9? No, nah, I'll be here with you for the hall, so okay. no worries. You don't right, have to switch I, up. I, Again, I'm I'm more confused than Sean Kemp on Father's Day with, with the production <laughs> situation around here. So I look, see I'm like the old school pitchers that we talked about. I'm yeah. here for the whole. I'm here yeah. for the duration. You know, by the way, we've got our you know we've got our 10 year anniversary party right. coming up here soon. Um, and you know, I guess we'll be announcing some details and stuff like that uh, uh, for it all. But you know, we're trying to get a hold of a lot of the old people, and we were just kind of running down the Rolodex. Yeah. Of people, because I was talking with Mike Conti, and just we were going through the Rolodex of people. I was like, what about this person? What about that person? And this and the other. And a lot of the names that, that a lot of people know and remember and stuff like that, but a lot of the, you know, people that weren't here real, real long right. or behind-the-scenes people, you know, producers and right. engineers and different people like that that did did stuff and things like that. But it sounds like we have a, a cavalcade of stars. Yeah. How long have you worked up here with us? Uh, so I've been up here with you all. It's really, I think, what three years now because it started during COVID. Okay, all right. Yeah, gosh, it's been that long that yeah. you've, been, you've been doing stuff with us. Yeah, because you wow. know, you know, we were shorthanded, and so it was all hands on deck. You know, once you know we went through everything, right. and so right. that's when they started u- utilizing me up here. Okay, yeah. November fifth will be my ten years, uh, ten year anniversary with the uh, with the station. So wow, congratulations! Our, our um. Our anniversary for the station itself is October 24th, I believe. Yeah. Mine is November 5th. And the first show that I did was filling in for Mitch Evans. Um, his 2 to 6 a.m. show okay. was the first show that I ever did. And that was the first show that I was uh, on here. And here we are a decade later, right? Hard yeah. to believe that the radio station has been around uh, that long. But uh, if you'd have told me, listen, I, I said when I got into all this, I just – I wanted to do this. It was something I wanted to, you know, see what I could do. Right. You know, I, I didn't know what it would do or where it would go or anything like that. It was just a passion of mine, mm-hmm. and it was something that I've always wanted to do. And I, I, you know, thought about getting into it before and all this and the other, and just kind of the right opportunity and everything just kind of came along. And here we are a decade later, yelling at yeah, people, man. fighting, You're the arguing. Man. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> uh, so anyway, we've got all that coming up here. Um, actually, I think our – 10th anniversary party. Is it later this month or next month? I can't remember. I think it's next month. Yeah. Yeah, I think I can't remember what it is, uh, what the date specifically is for, for all of it. But, uh, but be looking out because I think we're going to do some things with listeners um, involved uh, as well. So um, should be a lot of fun time, but it's always fun to kind of go down memory lane about all, because again, I I've seen, you know, I've been here for pretty much everything that's ever happened at the station. I mean, I've heard some of the stories from you. Yeah. The, 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 the oops, the inappropriate moments, <laughs> yeah. the inappropriate audio that's been played, um, spilling coffee on the board downstairs. You know that board in that room down there. You know Jarvis spilled coffee all over that thing. Oh wow! And and just about got himself fired by Terry. 
That wow. so right you know right downstairs where they do yeah. AOK now. That's used to be yeah. Jar- you know that board is right up there by the by uh-huh. the by the hosts and all that. Jarvis spilled coffee on that one Sunday morning for the Falcons pregame show and just about found himself on on the unemployment line because wow. uh, Terry wow. just about let him go for all that. Yeah. So well, believe it or not, so this is actually my my second tour of duty with uh-huh. the company. Well, it wasn't this company. Yeah, it was CBS. Yeah, at first. So I was here of the when when the game launched actually. So oh, okay. I saw a lot of the initial people that first came in. Were you down? At, were you down? I was with v down then? at V. Yep. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yep. Okay. yep. Yeah, I mean, because, you know, we, we weren't, you know, we're on the ninth floor of Colony Square. We weren't here when the fa- station first started. This mm-hmm. was all being built here because when I came up and interviewed, there were some metal studs, you know, yeah. to, to frame the walls. And it was all just like, you know, plaster and stuff. I mean, there was nothing yeah. up here. I mean, Terry had an office. Sean had an office that was kind of not even complete. Um, but they had a place that they could work and do stuff in or whatever like that. But we were downstairs with V103 and WAOK mm-hmm. and all that and we had that main studio right there yeah. where the green room is. That that's where we broadcasted from. For I forget, I don't know, I don't remember what year we we moved up here. It, I, I'm, it would have been sometime in 2013, I think. When this, yeah, it, I done. think it was 2013 because I left August of 2013. So were we up was, here then? Yeah, you were up here by okay. then. Cause yeah, I, I think it was the I think it was sometime late spring, early summer of 2013. Because yeah. it did take a little while to get this thing all completed and built. Yeah, because we used to have to try to sneak around Terry just so we could come up here and see how see the new digs because, uh-huh. you know, we kept hearing how, how nice it was. Yeah. And so it was just like. It is. This is a really nice yeah. studio. I have, I've been to a few radio stations here or there. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, been, I've, I've worked with a few, few people and been invited to the, the, the radio stations where they worked and stuff like that. And. Um, you know, I've I've seen it. This is yeah. we have a pretty good setup you yeah. know, here. So, yep. but be looking out because we're going to have listeners involved in our tenth anniversary party coming up. So, all right. Speaking of uh, having listeners involved, let's get to something we call what's bugging Chuckery. Don't look now, but somebody out there just got Chuckery ticked off. <laughs> like that's hard. Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. It's time for what's bugging Chuckery on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. So, look, we have Falcons and Saints coming up this weekend, right? And, you know, if Dennis Rodman is number one in the world of being the peacemaker or mediator or go-between amongst opposing forces in the world, Chad Ochocinco was trying to find himself as the number two guy in all of that stuff. Did you see what he had tweeted out? He said on his Twitter page, quote, Dear football fans, I'd love to see a union amongst each other during the season. Falcons and Saints fans sitting together and drinking beer while supporting their respective teams at games is possible. And then he had like the hands making a heart um, emoji and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, he found out real quick, though, that ain't none of us want to get along with the other guys. Right? Because here's what I say. F the Saints fans. They say F the Falcons. We say F the Saints. And they can stay down there. What does Freaky call it? Stinky Town? Uh, oh, yeah. He has a couple of names yeah, for Pukeville it. Or yeah, Pukeville Swampers and all Swampers, that. Yeah. Pukeville, Stinky Town, <laughs> you know, Barf Bag Town or whatever, you know, whatever he's got going on down there with uh, all of it. And so after, you know, realizing that, this is not going to work out very well. Chad Ochocinco had to put out a, um, what what is it when a, a concession 
a concessionary tweet. Is that a word, concessionary? Yeah, like, yeah I like know Like a concession yeah. speech, okay? <laughs> Quote, my idea of joining the Saints-Falcons fan bases as one and creating a healthy union has failed miserably, and I apologize for intervening in a tradition I've never been a part of, but I love all of you blankers and wish your team of choice the best this season. Well, listen, at least he got an F word, you know, cuss word in the middle of all this. Look, here's what you have to understand. And and he here's the thing. He should know this. He played in Cincinnati, right? You know about Bengals and Steelers. Steelers yes. You know about Ravens and Steelers. You know about Cleveland and the Steelers, right? You know about all of those rivalries. You know how those fans, like, I can assure you, Pittsburgh and Cleveland people are not going to sit together and have beers and talk about, you know, their football teams and sing Kumbaya. And we're not going to have that down here in the South. We may be the city that's too busy to hate, okay, and I understand all of that, but we don't want nothing to do with those Saints people, with those people. And what does Freaky call it? Stinky Town, <laughs> yep. You know Barfville, you <laughs> know, you know Puke Town or whatever he calls, you know, those people down there in Louisiana. And by the way, just for the record, I love New Orleans. I think New Orleans is a tremendous city. Again, if you want to talk about great Americana cities, New Orleans is a great Americana city. It's one of those cities that if you've never been, you should go there for three or four days. Okay? And then get the hell out before somebody throws up on you or whatever. Okay? But as fan bases, like these two franchises have been created to hate one another. That's what we do. Right? Just like when we say, you know, Georgia, Georgia Tech is clean, old-fashioned hate. That's what we have for their fan base. That's why Freaky calls them Stinky Town or Pukeville or, you know, Barf Town or whatever he's got, you know, for a name for all of this stuff. Because we don't want to like those people. You know, listen, there are lots of people in my life that I just don't like, right? And I have no desire to extend an olive branch and try to reach out and be friends. Screw it. One thing you learn as you get older in life, Day Day, is that there are just some people that you're not going to get along with, some people you're just not going to like. I know my daughter's school, their thing is hashtag be kind. Is there is like the, the thing about Cherokee kind of schools, hashtag be kind. Screw that. I ain't looking to do that with everybody. I'll pick and choose my kindness on, on certain things. But when it comes to the fan bases of Atlanta and the Falcons and the Saints in Puketown or Barfville or, or Smellyburg or wherever, whatever it is that they've got going on, according to Freaky, it's just not going to happen. So I appreciate the efforts of Chad Ochocinco, okay? And I understand in today's world, wouldn't it be nice if we could all just get along? But you know what? We just ain't all going to get along, right? Robert De Niro famously said one time in the movie, sometimes doing the right thing ain't doing the right thing. Guess what? Sometimes, as as good as it might be for everybody to get along, sometimes we just ain't going to get along. I might trademark that, too, by the way, or whatever like that. So just like shaking bacon in game first, your last. Anyway. All right. When we get back from the top of the hour, 
UGA sent a message. Plus, we'll talk about some of the other games over the weekend in college football. Chuck, we're hanging out in the Key Studios. Sports right now to the game, the Odyssey.com app. 